Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, imagine that after lunch you realize that there are some things that you need to get from the store and you'd rather get it done this afternoon than save it for later. So you quick throw on a pair of khakis and put on the first t-shirt you find, a red one, and head out. Your coat is bulky and it's a nice enough day, so you'll leave it in the car when you go into the store. You've barely had a chance to look at your shopping list when you realize someone's trying to get your attention. So you look up and, and a woman asks, Can you tell me what aisle the Ziploc bags are in? Uh, no. Sorry, can't help you, you answer. She, she looks at you funny, but, but goes away. A minute later, you're, you're trying to figure out which bottle, which size bottle of shampoo to buy when, when you hear the customer next to you say, wow, they keep moving things around here. I can't find the suave shampoo anywhere. And 20 seconds later, you hear a little louder and a little closer, I said, I can't find the suave shampoo anywhere. You turn to see. He's talking to you. So you say, yeah, that's that's too bad. But, but I'm sure you'll find it on the shelf somewhere if you keep looking. And for some reason, he seems really upset and stalks off. You shrug your shoulders and move on to finding the next items on your list, but you've barely made it down a third aisle when a store manager taps, taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey! I've just had two customers tell me that you refuse to help them find things, and now I find you wandering around the store. That's not what we pay you for. Now, we got a bit of a rush, so go open up on Register 7. You are, of course, quite confused. Then you look down and realize that you are at Target, dressed like a Target employee. And maybe you decide to have a little fun. No, you tell the manager. No, I just really don't feel like working today. It's a Sunday, and I have other things to do. That's just really not what I came for. Many of us have had similar kinds of experience, maybe nothing quite that entertaining. When other people think that they know what we're doing somewhere, when it really isn't at all what we came there for. Sometimes it's just a mistake, like that target example, but other times it might be on purpose, like when you come downstairs to watch TV and your mom says, oh good, you've come down to help me clean up the kitchen. Not understanding what you've come to do, it's usually not a big deal. It may be an annoyance, it might be embarrassing, it might even be laughable. But that's only if there's not a lot at stake. Imagine, in contrast, that, that you make a, a new friend while you're staying at a resort on vacation, and he or she says, hey, we're having a party at our cabin tonight. Come by number 12 sometime after 8. So, you knock on the door a, a little after 9, and someone you haven't met opens it and says, oh good, you got here fast. Come, come, come into the back room. And you follow quickly, and you see a 70-ish-year-old man lying on the floor, struggling to breathe and turning kind of blue. And as you freeze up, trying to figure out what's going on, 
all the people around you say, are, are you just going to stand there? Do something. You're the doctor. But of course, you're not the doctor. And as awkward as that scene would be, imagine if you were the doctor, and when you knocked on the door, you were sent away with a quick, go away, the party's off. And when you knock again, the door is slammed in your face. It can be very important to get right what someone has come for. And that is no more true than with Jesus. Throughout the centuries, and very much still today, people have either mistaken Jesus for someone else or correctly identified him, but mistaken why he came. And with the fate of one's soul in the balance, with the fate of many people's souls in the balance, having the wrong idea about Christ can literally be the biggest and worst mistake of one's life. Many made that mistake already while Jesus was here on earth. King Herod heard about his birth and thought he had come to claim his throne. The crowds thought Jesus came to defeat the Romans and restore Jewish power and pride or to miraculously feed them with bread so that they wouldn't have to work for it at all. Those among the Jews who resented the Pharisees and religious authorities probably saw him as their champion and owning the elite. And those same Pharisees and authorities looked at Jesus and thought he had come to compete with them for power over the people. But there should have been no mistake. Not only did Jesus never promote himself as any of those things, but from the very beginning of his life and of his ministry, it was announced who he was and what he came for. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds knew because they were told by angels. And before he began to preach or perform a single miracle, John the Baptist pointed Jesus out and proclaimed his purpose. So if people had wrong ideas about why Christ came when he walked among them, it shouldn't surprise us when we encounter such wrong ideas today. Nor should we consider our contemporaries' mistakes any less serious than those of the past. Perhaps the most common error is to think that Jesus came to show us the way to heaven by being and doing good just like him. He's an example to follow by this view. And the better you follow him, the better your chances of being saved and joining him in eternity. You may even get a greater reward for it. But since Jesus took pains to impress upon people that it is impossible to gain God's favor or forgiveness by working for it, this is clearly a mistaken idea of his identity and purpose. A similar error is to think of Christ as a new lawgiver, like Moses, only better, nicer. Instead of uncomfortable or unpopular thou shalt nots, they, they see Jesus as commanding things that no one could really oppose, like loving your neighbor and, and turning the other cheek. But you know, Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
And while he loved sinners and was full of compassion and mercy, he still hated sin. He did not hesitate to judge it for what it was. Increasingly popular today is a plastic or elastic Jesus. Think Play-Doh or Silly Putty or, or if you're old enough to remember this, Stretch Armstrong. People love to set Jesus up as the model that everyone should imitate. And then they mold or they stretch him into an advocate for whatever cause or idea they think is important today. Last week's Washington Post magazine had a, had a cover story uh, on a, a radical preacher who, um, who says Jesus was homeless, uh, claims that if Jesus were with us today, he would basically be a progressive activist for social change and justice, focused on transforming our society by doing things like fighting for gun control and fighting against evictions. Others present Jesus as the ultimate pacifist, saying that anyone who follows him should oppose every kind of war and violence. Still others think of him as having come to give us all our best lives now. You can probably think of some examples of your own, of mistaken messiahs that you have encountered. What they all have in common is a failure to take God and Jesus himself at his word. They also fail to take a proper look at themselves because if they saw more clearly what they are and what they are like, they would more easily understand what Christ came for. Because he didn't come to help people who were basically good be better by showing them a better way to behave. He didn't come to undo the the bad education of previous generations so that a, a, a better educated, more woke generation could be more enlightened. Jesus did not come to give guidance and encouragement to those sensitive souls who sincerely want to make a difference in the world. No. Jesus came to a world of sinners. Every man, every woman, every child. No one basically good. Everyone sinful through and through. No one merely ignorant or ill-informed. Everyone rebellious and corrupt. No one innocent. Everyone guilty. And most importantly, The world he came to was one that had no one worthy of eternal life in heaven and everyone deserving death and hell. But though God's justice demanded punishment for every sin and therefore every sinner deserved punishment, God's love wanted no one to die. And so, He made a plan. And as soon, as soon as the first man and woman sinned, He announced that plan. He would send a solution. Someone would come. Would come to undo the devil's work and to restore what their rebellion destroyed. And and this, this could never be accomplished by 
by changing society or lending a helping hand, because what was necessary for the world and for each sinner was for sin to be removed entirely. Because sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what earns us death. Sin is what sends us to hell. And sin is what corrupts us through and through. And so, in love and in mercy, God sent His one and only Son. God sent Him to be born of a virgin, Mary, and to live among us as a man under God's law, to obey God's law in our place, and sent Him to die as a man, the price of man's disobedience to save man from his disobedience. The cross. The cross is what Jesus came for. John the Baptist knew it and proclaimed it. He saw Jesus coming shortly after his baptism. He saw Jesus coming toward him and recognized him as both our substitute and as a sacrifice. A sacrifice who would shed His blood to wash away all our filthiness, all our guilt, all our iniquity, every one of our trespasses. And that's why John the Baptist cried out for all there to hear, Look! Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John the Apostle, who was likely there to witness that event, wrote later to Christians. He wrote in 1 John 3, he reminds us, you know, you know that Jesus appeared in order to take away our sins. That is it. That is the truth. That is the thing to hold on to. He appeared in order to take away our sins. Now sure, we can learn from Christ's life and teaching how to live better lives. And as God's redeemed children, we we want to. That's appropriate. And sure, loving our neighbor as He has shown us how to love our neighbor means that We want to change our communities, our society, and our world for the better. And the way we do that mostly is by bringing the gospel to people, because that is the most powerful source of change there is. And sure, Christ's teachings inform many of the things that we will value and vote for. But all of those purposes for Christ's coming, His work and His preaching, those things are secondary at best. The one thing that is of utmost importance that we remember and teach and hold on to is this. He appeared in order to take away our sins. Now Jesus Himself certainly was not confused about this. He guided his entire life toward the goal of the cross and then the empty tomb. And 
He freely told his disciples, anyone who followed him, what his mission was. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. It's a simple truth, but we cannot afford to lose sight of it. So when we come across a a radical preacher making statements like these, he tells us this, this is what Jesus came for. And we say, no, that's not what the Lamb came for. When we come across people trying to present to us Jesus as a new lawgiver, we say, well, that's nice. Yes, we, we all should love each other, but, but that's not what Jesus came for. When we read something online or or hear something in a a podcast that's talking about Jesus and presenting Him as as this great social activist or, or architect for a new, fairer, more loving society, we can say, well, yeah, there's some good things there, but that's not, that's not what the Lamb came for. No plastic or elastic Jesus could save us from our sins. No plastic or elastic Jesus could do the things that were necessary to solve our deepest problems and meet our greatest need. Only Jesus, the Lamb of God, could be the one to take away our sins. Jesus came not to be an influence, but to be a sacrifice. He came not to be a Lord over men, but the Lamb of God. He appeared in order to take away our sins so that we can be free from death and hell. There is nothing more important and no one more important than Jesus, our Savior. And this gives us the confidence and gives us no end of reasons to speak to our brothers and friends and spouses and neighbors and co-workers and classmates and say, come and see. Come and see the Messiah that I have met. We are not asking anyone to meet a merely moral teacher or an activist or a, a good example. That's not who He is or what the Lamb came for. No, we we can say with excitement, with joy, and with all the power of the Gospel in our invitation. We can say, look, 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 the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.